Hello and welcome to Our Generation on Air. We're back for the new season and following a good result at the weekend, we've got plenty to talk about, including, as I said, the win at the weekend up at Hull and a preview of both Middlesbrough and Barnsley. I'm delighted to say that I am joined by Our Generation regulars, Dan Lambert and Lucas Ross. Guys, how are you today? Not bad at all. Good, thank you. Right, so, uh, as I said, we've got plenty to cover, and without further ado, let's get into it. Hull first. Dan, you're at the game. Firstly, how was the atmosphere at the first proper away game of the season? It was it was good, to be fair, very good. I think there was around about a 1,000 of us, um, pretty full of um, away end, to be fair. And, I mean, when the goals went, it just like, it got better and better, really. And the... Uh, the highlight has to be the um, the inflatable inflatable doll being pushed around the away end. Fantastic! Because I I went to the uh, Leighton Orient game and it was it's just fantastic to be back at the, these away games. Uh, you know, Adoma celebrating was certainly an iconic moment. But um, with the game against Hull, was this a sort of game where everything went right for us? Because having a look at the highlights, the the way we played, scoring everything from set plays and training ground moves, was this just to get a really good day for us or did we dominate it fairly from the first whistle? Um, for me, I think it was a fairly even game. Um, well, in open play anyway, and we capitalised on our two set pieces and a well-worked third goal. I mean, the opening... Opening 20 minutes, I think Hull were the better side on the ball anyway. Um, we looked quite vulnerable in the um, in the wide areas with Keane Lewis Potter specifically. Um, when we got the goal, it kind of changed the game on its on its head until halftime and we dominated that that last 25 minutes. And then we really had to um, dig deep in the between 45 and 60 minutes where um, we had to make that goal line clearance. And then after that, it was kind of a one-sided affair. Lucas, any thoughts? Well, I wasn't at the game. I was having a weekend away in London with my family. But um, I did get the goals pretty, quite quickly after each all three went in. I think from an unbiased point of view, first goal, Ingram should have done better. But it's a very clever move. As as the old saying goes, it was right off the training ground. Um, the free kick goes, goes short to Willock, who takes a touch and then unleashes one. Ingram get gets hand to it, goes off the post and into the into the onion bag. Um I think one looks things um from start of the half pretty much until the second like a couple of minutes before our second goal, we really wasn't a back burner. Like I was checking Twitter and I was like, Oh how how are we still in front? We were really lucky to not concede it yet. And I myself was bricking it and then I got the goal notification for the second goal and I just went mental off it. I think the fact that we had another training ground move perfected for our second goal was, was quite frankly testament to the coaching and the management that has got us in the position that we're in. And the third goal, I think Dickie is turning in oh god, he's turning into prime Sergio Ramos with his four darts and um he just cannot stop supporting right now. I'd love to see it. Could he could he break a league record? We'll just have to see there. Um, but yeah, no, in all seriousness, 
brilliant, brilliant victory. And I'm looking forward to the game on Wednesday. Come on, you ask. Yeah, so focusing specifically on Dickie, he's a fantastic start to the season. Um, you know, we've talked ourselves in our sort of group chats about transfer fees and stuff like that. But is anyone else getting a little bit nervous that he's going to get poached right at the end of the window? Because I'm certainly starting to brick it, as Lucas was saying. I'm not comfortable with this at all. No, no, I'd have to agree with you. I mean, he showed, it, we, this is the this is probably the worst time for him to be um, at his best, really. I mean, scoring three goals in three games. Uh, I think he's, his, ball, his ball progression is second to none, really. I think he's completed about six, seven successful dribbles so far this season for a centre-half. Um, like you said, there are a few Premier League clubs that probably could be sniffing around, like the likes of Southampton. They just lost Vestergaard. I mean, if they if they were to throw cash at us, we could be tempted. But I think with the long-term contracts and the, the position we're in financially at the minute, I don't think we have, we have to sell. Yeah, so going back to the whole, whole game, um, the red card, I, having a look at the highlights, I was particularly shocked that that was considered a red card. I would be very angry if I was a Hull fan right now. Dan, what what did you think of when you first saw it? Well, I mean, I was up the top, so it was, it was hard to see like from from a close, close range. But, um, I mean, it looked a red card from... From when at the ground because of the, the way the impact on um on Dom, I think it was it Don Ball on on Don Ball um but seeing the replay I mean I wouldn't consider that a definite record I think there the studs the, both studs went up but I think I don't think there was too much contact in it but I mean it it did change the game in a in a slight way so I, I will take it I suppose. Yeah, so um, man of the match performance. Who who do we think was the best from from the bunch? You know, we've got the three goal scorers. I imagine uh, Johansson was quite influential again. I think the easy option probably would be Dicky with the way he's playing right now. But um, what what are you guys saying, man of the match? I think the one I'm going to have to go down the easy route and say Rob Dicky. Sorry, basic, but it just it is what it is. Dicky, he started this season off um, like one of the best. He's playing like one of the best centre backs in the world. He's been playing like Brian Bird and Van Dyke. He's been amazing. He scored four. He scored in three successive matches, or if you count a Leicester match, which I was at. Um, and yeah, nothing. It's just so brilliant to see um, somebody playing so so well and thoroughly enjoying it but I think a close second for man the match from my point um, I'd say some dark horses in there would be the likes of Johansson Willock Wallace even because from what I saw Wallace played very very well he had another brilliant game Willock as we all know scored a very clever first goal um, alongside um, just posing a general threat Dykes, he was good. He could have had two in this game. He could have two. Um, nearly got, nearly scored our fourth goal. Um, but yeah, nothing. Has to be Dicky. Anyone else, I'm afraid to say, is wrong. 
Okay, so now we are also joined by uh, a new signing for our generation this year. Uh, welcome to your first podcast, Hugo. Hi, hi, Alex. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, did you see much of the game at against Hull at the weekend? Yeah, I watched it. Uh, I might have had COVID at the time, but I watched it, and yeah, it was good. I think Dykes Dykes played well. He played better than the Millwall game. I thought that it was it was quite similar to the Millwall game, as in for the first ten minutes we were quite shaky. We didn't really get on the ball that much, but I thought once once we got on the ball and we we got our head in the game, I thought we played very well, and. I think we were lucky to not concede in the second half early, but I think once we got that second goal and once the red card happened, I think they were clear. So I thought it was good. Uh, and the red card, do you think it was uh, a deserved red card? Because I thought it was a bit dubious. I don't know. I thought it was, yeah, I mean, he was off the ground. Yeah, yellow card on, on, on one day, red on, red on another. Who knows? Depends. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, moving on from Hull, we've got two difficult fixtures coming up. Uh, firstly, we've got Middlesbrough, Uncle Neil's Middlesbrough coming up on Wednesday, I believe. Um, so, you know, who? What, what do we think about Middlesbrough so far this season? Who wants to take that first? Um, well, I haven't watched. I didn't watch the um, the game against Fulham. They drew one 0 in the end. Um, but you know what you're going to get with the Warnock side. They're going to be quite direct, quite physical. Um, they've got XPA Zoo uh, up top, are quite a mobile, strong um, target man who can bring others into the game. Um, obviously, Grant, Grant Hall, who we know well, is at the back. He's prone to a mistake or two on his day. Um, the midfield, they've got uh, Sam Warsey, the holder, um, and they've got the likes of Matt Crooks, who makes those third man runs into the box and with Marcus Tavernier. So that might be one to, to watch onto from our midfield point of view. Um, I know it's a short, small sample size right now, but they've got the, they made the, the fewest amount of short passes in the league with about 170. So they're not going to be expected to have a lot of the ball when they play us. So I imagine we'll be controlling most of the game from the possession side of things. And Yes, um, yeah, they've got they've got Joe Lumley, haven't they? Um, on his day, he can be a quality goalkeeper, but distribution—if you put him under a bit of pressure with a press, um, a high press—he could be liable. Yeah, and the the point you're making about the possession, I found that really interesting because having looked at their game against Bristol City on Saturday, they won it two-one. They only had thirty-eight percent of the possession yet still managed to create quite a few chances. They had seven on target in total and 13 shots. So, you know, this is the sort of game where they, they're clearly going to be difficult to break down. And I feel like we've struggled like that in the past. They get, you look at actually Leighton Orient when we were on top against a much weaker side, not saying they're the same quality, but we really struggled, you know, with our sort of second team but that's something that I'd be kind of a, a little bit concerned with um, Lucas who do you think the main threat is going to be for Middlesbrough um, you know as we're saying like they're going to probably I don't know whether it's sitting back is the right term but we're certainly going to have a lot of ball who, who do you, would you be looking at being the most threatening player I think um, um, for, for, for the last couple of years of being a Rangers fan 
Middlesbrough's main target man would have been a somber longer, but he's just gone a free transfer, I think, to India. Um, I think right now that I think some players to be worried of include um, Uche Ikpiazu, who was part of a very unlucky Wickham side last season, who I thought were very unfortunate not to stay up. And I had a little, I have a little soft spot for Nick Wickham with them being my local. So yeah, I thought he he was unlucky to uh, to face the drop with Wickham, but he got his move to, to remain in the Championship with Middlesbrough and. I think he he's a target man, a bit like likes of Lyndon Dykes and Matt Smith. He knows how to bring other players into the game. He reads the game well. I think a couple of other players to be worried of in Millsborough will be... Um, <laughs> I think, I think well, apparently Joe Lumley plays very, very well against Fulham. So I think that could be a bit of a... That could be a little, little bit of alarm bells for us. If if he's playing well, then the defence could be impenetrable. And and so far in 2021, we've failed to find the net in just three matches. So I think if if Joe Dumley is having a really good game, then he could be we our attack could be in for a tough time. And I think two to look out for are Ikiazu and Dumley. Okay, Hugo. So, what do you what do you think we might expect to see from Middlesbrough? A lot of long balls, as you said. No, not not many short passes. Someone said, uh, "Yeah, I think a lot of pinpoint passes up the field to um, Igpiazu." I think I think the way we beat them on Saturday. Uh, sorry, the way we beat them on Wednesday is uh, the press. I think if you put Joe Lumley under pressure, he's not gonna. Like he's not. I don't think he's going to be able to play well. I think a lot. I think we'll retain a lot of the ball from from the the high press from Dyke, Austin, Chair, or Willock. I, I I just I want to see us get on the ball early and I want to see us start moving the ball D- definitely from from first minute and then see where it goes from there. Yeah, I w- watched their. Um the highlights of their game against City and their second goal was pretty, um, it was pretty direct. They got free kick, launched it into the box and Ipiazu won the flick on and there was someone there to mop up. So I think you're, you're absolutely right, all of you that saying Ipiazu is going to be the main sort of threat for Middlesbrough. Um, the, it's clearly a side of a lot of fight as well. You know, Fulham had them not beat, but they were one nil up and Fulham looked comfortable and they came back uh, very well to actually get a draw in that game. So, you know, it's an, as I said, it's an uncle Neil side, isn't it? He's going to want to win against us. He's going to, this is a side that um, supposedly could be in the playoffs, Middlesbrough come the end of the season. Um, So they're going to be wanting to do, to do a number on us and it is not going to be pretty by any means. Um, did any of you guys think that Middlesbrough would be in the playoffs come the end of the season, or do you think they've not quite got enough? Yeah, no, I um, I had them in my my top six. Anyway, I had them around fifth place. Um, can I mention something on device quickly? Um, Ikpiazu, obviously, we know is a threat, and um, particularly, I think Alex mentioned with the flick on something that we failed to um failed to deal with against Leighton Orient from the long throw. So that could be something to watch out for, but also. 
I can't see device um, starting um, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday rather, purely on the basis of fitness because he's got so many knocks, etc. So I think Dan Dan will fill him. So that might be one to watch um, done alongside Ikpiazu because we know what Ikpiazu is about, but we haven't seen too much of done aerially anyway. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I actually thought Dunn did quite well, certainly from an attacking point of view, in the air against, in the friendly against Cambridge in pre-season. So, you know, he is te- he's was playing for Burnley and could have possibly been a Premier League player this season for them. So he's got to show his quality if he is going to play. Um, having with Dan having mentioned the squ- the team there, going into this game, being a midweek game, and we've played like I said, Leighton Orient. So we've, you know, the games have come thick and fast like it does in the EFL. Would we expect any changes apart from the uh, perhaps device for done change? I think he'll bring Austin in. Uh, I think, well, I've, I saw that he might be fit. So I think if if he is, he should look to use him because uh, I think his hold-up play is better than Dykes. Uh, and I think if, if Willock and Trey can both play off him, or maybe you can play Austin and Dykes, and then you play Willock just behind both of them. I think if you if you Austin Austin has to be the key attacker, I think, because he's so good at laying the ball off and passing the ball around against a a good Middlesbrough defence. I think that that will be key for us if Austin comes in. Yeah, that's very interesting. Obviously, like you said, Dykes had played well at the weekend. Lucas, would you make any changes to the side that played against Hull? If there was any, if if the whole squad was fit, um, would you make any changes? I think what I think it was Dan said about Device. I think as interesting because we signed him in January. It took him until March for him to make his debut, and I think if we're going to be playing twice we're going to be playing three times in six days then I think I hate to be the one to break it to you but I don't think Device will be able to play every game this season so I think oh I think until the international break at least we only play Device on Saturdays I think Jimmy Dunn could look could be interesting and I don't think you guys know this but Jim but I think going back to what I think it was Alex said about Dunn's aerial threat. He actually did score. He actually had scored in the Premier League um, against Leicester um, for for Burnley last season. So I think that shows that he can be a bit of a threat in the air. So I think, yeah, I think bringing Dunn in for Device would be an okay move. Could work out. And I think another change I would consider making is, um, I hope you I hope you guys don't bully me for this, but. I think we should take the Dominator out and replace him with Charlie Off and go 5-1-2-2 with a midfield um, pentagon with Johansson, Willock, Chair playing behind Dykes and Austin up top. That, that is, I mean, that is interesting, the formation you said, Lucas, because, I mean, we did play that against Middlesbrough in the reverse fixture, I think, on the Riverside when we beat them. Um with Thomas, Chair and Willock behind Dykes, I think it was. So I wouldn't, it, potentially he could go for a, an all-out attack lineup. But I just wanted to talk about um, 
Lee Wallace because I don't think he will play either. I think he played he played forty five in the cup last week, so he's played he's played what two, over two hundred minutes in the last in the last week or so, which for him is probably as much as he can can do. So I want, I'm interested to see whether he um, McCallum will be back for starters, so he could slot in, or he um, he plays Odebajo as an almost an inverted fullback as he did um, in the second half of the cup. I mean, I know he wasn't, he didn't impress too much, but I think he's quite a he's quite an athletic mobile fullback to play that um, on the left hand side if he needs to, with Kakai playing on the other side. Yeah, I think that is what I was sort of getting at when asking the question. Wallace is the one that I'd expect most to be taken out of the starting eleven, um, but that all does depend really on whether McCallum is back from his illness um it was only a week ago that he was actually it it was sort of they said for the first time that that that's why he was out so not quite sure what the time frame is on that okay so moving on from Middlesbrough we've got yet another tough game against the against Barnsley who finished in the playoff spaces last season um guys what what do we think of Barnsley and how they're going to play. Um, so obviously it's a new manager this season, uh, Marcus Shop. Um, similar to Ishmael in the sense that he likes the high press. Obviously that's a recurring theme, theme of Barnsley since they recruit quite smartly now. Um, but he has an emphasis on playing out from the back, so a bit more. They're a bit more possession based than what you'd expect from the the vowel ball as they called it last year. Um, uh, one of the main additions that they've brought in is Josh Benson from Burnley. Uh, quite an endurance-based midfielder, good um, good technically. But I don't know if he'll um, start at the minute with um, Callum Styles moving from left wing back to, to central midfield to cover the um, Alex Moa-shaped um, hole that they lost. Um, at the back, they, they've opted for Liam Kitching and um, Toby Sibick, which helps with the... Uh, building out from the back and the passing angles with the uh, the left-right combination, either side of Helic, who's quite um quite a good inter- interceptor. He's very high on the uh, the statistical side any of anyway. And they'll likely play in the um three four three system that um that they operated last year with the uh, the trio up top chain rotates with Woodrow Morris uh, they've got a wealth of wealth of attackers really so that the main the main rotation will be up the top yeah good I looked at their um their highlights from their win over Coventry and I thought Coventry had a lot that you know Coventry did have more of the ball they uh Barnsley only had 38 percent so you quite say you're saying about the possession based um approach to this season not maybe it's not quite working I know Coventry are you know they they're quite an intense side as well they showed that against Forest but that I thought they were creating quite a lot down Barnsley's right and there was a lot of space that they had left I guess after they'd gone on attack or something because it everything that Coventry was creating was down there uh, Barnsley's right obviously that would be our left now so that is w- what we're saying about the Willock um sorry, not Willock um Wallace being rested for this game uh, the, the Middlesbrough game because we need him back fit for this one and where he links up so well with Chair and Willock in that sort of little triangle that they do down the left side. Yeah, no, I was um, 
you said you um, what you said about the um, the attacks down the right hand side. I think 48 percent of their attacks so far have been down down that side with um, Callum Britton, who's quite a, an injury. He's basically just an engine, goes up and down the up and down the field. Um, and also one of the um, one of their quite um, well surprising stats, if you like, um, the direct speed for their chance creation is one of the highest in the league. So it's still they're still very much a Although they play out from the back, they're very much a direct side, and they'll they'll create a lot of chances with or without possession. Lucas, you had something to say. A oh, nice, nice one. I think Barnsley. I think they're going to be a very interesting side. Even I think I think they will suffer from the losses from Ishmael and Alex Mallets coming to West Brom. I think. They were two of the people who masterminded Barnsley's fifth place campaign when most people had Barnsley down to be relegated. I think I, I, I for one, definitely didn't see that coming. But it's impressive of them that they pulled it off in the way that they did. And also, I also think that um, some of the players in the team, like of Corley Woodrow, could pose some problems. Chaplin are not whipped switch from right. I'm saying that. So Chaplin's gone, so that they'll miss him. And I think Holly Woodrow will pose some problems. I think Callum Styles in midfield and likes of Kitching and Bradley Collins, um, Chelsea reject in goal will pose definitely be, be some general threats for us. Um, but yeah, no, I think, um, I think we, I think we should rest Wallace for midweek so that he's back up to face um, some of their pesky wingers, for example, Kitching or Civic, any of their players for Saturday who could pose a problem for us. I mean, when when I look at Barnsley personally, uh, I think Ismail Mallet and Dale Dyke, and then you look at the look at the team now and. All three, all three of them are gone. I mean, they've lost, they've lost Daryl Dyke, big, physical, fast striker who who can finish. We know, we know he he like he likes he likes a goal in him. He's gone. I, I don't I don't see them having as much threat as they did. I think Mowat Mowat's great on the ball. He he gets the ball moving. You know, he's 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 their set piece taker. He's a bit like Johansson, but. They've still got players like Helic, who's who's good in the air. He's a good centre back, and uh, Cooley Woodrow. We know that uh, we know he's got a goal in him as well. We've we've seen that before. So I think it'll be an interesting game on Saturday. Well, I think it'll be interesting to see how we react to a Middlesbrough result and a good win on Saturday. Yeah. I haven't looked at our sort of head-to-head record recently. This is probably one of the worst sides at Warburton has faced under us. We've lost all four games under Warburton to get to Barnsley, um, including quite a mad one, 5-3, I think it was, and Amos scored twice away. So, you know, this is a a big challenge for him to actually get one over on Barnsley. And he would have faced the different managers, but it just seems to be a bit of a bogey side because we did have a pretty good record against them, especially at home, um, you know, quite until quite recently. So, with all that in mind, 
um, again, go back to sort of team selection. Let's assume that we get a decent result against Middlesbrough. You're Mark Warburton. Do you stick with the team that you had against Middlesbrough? Or are you going to twist? Um, for me, well, in attack anyway, I'd like Willock and Chair and I'd probably Dykes. I don't really mind between Dykes or Austin. I just think Dykes and Austin, they're, they're target men in the sense that they can hold the ball up, they can link with their back to goal, but they don't win much aerially. I think last season they both won less than 50% of their duels. I think Austin only won, uh, won less than 30% of his duels. And against the Barnsley side, they're going to be playing direct and with a, with a press as well. So they, we're going to be forced long at times. We're not going to be able to regain the ball all the time. So I think quick rotations and combinations with Willock and Chair and out wide, I think that's our best our best option. I mean, midfield, I keep I keep Ball and Johansson. I think they're working. I, I've seen some people want Johansson and Dazelle or Johansson and Batash, but I think that, that that just leaves us too open in the midfield. We need we need ball as a as a defensive pinpoint, really. Um and then, you know, the, the wing backs will be Odebajo and Wallace and the back three of devices fit will be the same back three. So I think that's that's how I'd like to see it anyway. I, I completely agree. I think uh I think Don Ball on Saturday was very good. I thought uh, that I think at Leighton Orient he was a bit shaky. I mean, there were a couple of misplaced passes, but I think on Saturday he just he picked up the ball from everyone. He he got past players. I think I think Don Ball has to be in the team. I agree with that. He's definitely a player that if he keeps it to the simple things, he's actually very effective. You know, at the end of the day, he is just a centre back, not centre back, defensive midfielder. Your job is to win the ball back and move it on to your Hanson or Willock or Chair, and they'll do all the fancy stuff. Um, when he does have his burst of confidence and gets ideas above his station, if it goes well, I, I love it. It's really fun <laughs> to watch, but more often than not, it is going to sort of end badly for someone with. I don't want to be harsh, but sort of limited talent compared to some of the other players. Um, Lucas, you said you would have wanted him out of the side for the Middlesbrough game. Would you Would you want him back for Barnsley? I think I think there's one that comes into play here and it's fitness. I think we need to see how the other players are coping fitness-wise. Um, I think I would take him back for the Barnsley deck Barnsley game and we'll go 5-2-2-1 two, two, with Ball and Johansson playing behind um, Chair and Willett playing behind Austin up top in his own with with flexibility to change if the need is present but yeah I think um, as you said when the, when the Dominator tries and does something it either goes amazingly well or just or it doesn't go well at all I think I can only I can only recall one example of Don Ball's trickery doing amazing, and that's when he scored a goal, which in my opinion should have been goal of the season, the ninety first minute winner against Cardiff. I think that goal was insane, and I shouldn't have been goal of the season in my opinion. And yeah, no, I think um, I would bring him back for Barnsley and go five two two one. I think also the one the one perhaps underrated part of his game is um his ability to win second balls in the midfield. I think specifically against Millwall, 
we really lack that at all. I mean, he was partly to blame, obviously, being in the midfield, but as a, as a whole, we just lacked ability to win second balls. Um, but on Saturday, he was getting stuck in, putting his head into head into challenges, pr- progressing with dribbles. Um, and also, we we liked we we all know we're a possession based side, and we like to overload with numbers when attacking. And one of the things is with vulnerable transitions. And by having Don Ball there, his positioning is perfect to, to, to cut the passing lanes to stop the stop the counterattacks. Because I mean, I think we we conceded eight eight transitions last year, the most in in the league. And um, it's not not anyone's anyone's blame, but it's the fact that we're such a um, attacking side going forward. So I think to have to not have Don Ball in our in our team would be for me a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and I think the main thing about it is that regardless of his quality, we don't actually have another defensive midfielder available right now. Field is the other is the better option. Um, Amos could possibly do a job there, but I don't think we have any other real defensive midfield options. And he's got to be playing pretty much every game, apart from perhaps cup games, to fill this position. And like Dan said, cut cut those passing lanes and perform such an important role. Um, so as I mentioned, we had, we've got really bad form against Barnsley. So how do we turn this around? Um, you know, how how do we get the win at the weekend? Anyone want to take that? I don't know if you guys have clocked this, but since Wolves and Tocco took over, we've lost all four. That's not my point. My point is, um, prior to June 2020, when football returned after a 12-week hiatus, um, we had won every game against Barnsley at home for God knows how long. Can't count, to be honest. But then we go and lose twice within nine months at home to them. I think a main reason for that is because of a lack of fans, because both those games were actually played with no fans in the stadium. I don't know if anyone picked that up, but I, for one, definitely didn't, I think. Hopefully, with fans back in the stadium with full capacity, hopefully we can turn that around and take the upper hand on Saturday. Um, just into regards to Alex's question about how we could win, I mean, for me, I think we've got to move the ball with intensity. Um, Barnes is like press like we know, and when we when we pass with intensity, we can resist the press. I mean, the problem with playing a, a flat four in the middle is that there's no one to sweep the space in behind with Chair and Willock that can that can penetrate. So I mean, if we can if we can get past the midfield, the the flat midfield four, I think we'd have no problem in creating chances. But it's just resisting that press because if we play the ball, if we build up too slow, we we pass um we take our time on the ball, we're going to be vulnerable to to turnovers. So I think we just got to move the ball with intensity, and we've got to show show a physical physical battle against them really. Yeah, I think I think it's all about the midfield. I think it was against Millwall and we failed at that. And uh, I think we did it great at Hull. I think in the midfield, we were, especially with Don Ball, I think that's... He was... I mean, every, everyone played well, but I think he was the key to why we won. I think in that midfield, him and Johansson were just very good. I think it will be the same at Barnsley because of the way both teams play. And I hope we can play better than... We did in the midfield than uh, at Mil- uh, against Mill because we struggled 
against Millwall, and I think the midfield was the key part of why. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that against Millwall, we were absolutely overrun. At, when we were playing poorly, they looked like they were going to overrun us in the midfield at every time. So it's it, it's really, for Johansson and for Ball, they've got a lot of work cut out against Barnsley. And then, you, you know, you're going to have to get Willock and Chair helping out as well. And I th- think we did miss Chair's... Um, you know, he just pops up in those areas where he wants the ball more than anyone else. He'll do a turn, but the, it doesn't look like much is happening, but the ball is on the move and we're opening up and creating space for our, for our players to run into. Um, so with that, we're going to go to now to predictions. So I know last season we were really good at this and predicted like one win over 46 games or whatever. So... This year, to keep a record of what of what you guys are going to be predicting, I'm going to be writing it down. So we're going to have an idea of how good we actually are and maybe we actually might know what we're talking about or maybe we won't. So let's see. Um, starting with Dan and a prediction for Middlesbrough, please. Um, are, we, are we just doing score, score, just score or are we doing scorers as well? Um, let's just go with. I mean, you can say score is all right, but we'll just we'll we'll just record the score. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go for a a one-one draw. Perhaps, perhaps a bit pessimistic, but I think it's gonna be a tough game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Lucas. Well, I think Middlesbrough last two matches. Um. You played in the Riverside, we won. I think that could well have been down to there being no fans in the stadium either time. And I think the second win was testament to Joe Lumley's two monster saves. And now he's part of the Ops. So I think it will be normal service resumed at Millsborough. We aren't going to win, but we aren't going to lose. I think it's going to be quite a boring match. No, it's going to be a very boring match. I'm saying goalless. Okay, so nil-nil from Lucas and Hugo. Lastly, for Middlesbrough, please. I'm going to be optimistic here. I'm going to say 2-1 because I think uh, I think they will definitely score. I think Ikpiez is very good uh, at what he does and I think if they can get the ball to him, I think he can do some damage to our defence. But I also think that on our day, we play, like, on our day, we are the best team in the league, I think. And... I don't see us struggling to put two past Middlesbrough. I think as long as we, I think we'll concede first. I just think if we, as long as we turn on after the goal, it's all about it's all about the reaction. Like it wasn't Mill. I'm going to say two one. Okay, nice to get uh, some uh, positivity from from a contributor for once. Uh, and sticking with you, Hugo, what do you think about Barnsley? Um, what do you think the score is going to be? I think. I think I'm going to go 2-1 again because I think it's all about the midfield. I think Barnsley are going to have... I think it depends on the day, but either team are going to have a lot of the ball. I think either we're going to have a lot of the ball or Barnsley are going to have a lot of the ball. And if they have a lot of the ball, they'll score. And it's like Millwall. And if we have a lot of the ball, we'll score more than more than we should. But, yeah, I'm going to say 2-1 again because... I think both teams will score and I think we'll just edge them in the second half. 
Fantastic. More another three points in your opinion then. Uh Dan, back to you. Barnsley prediction. What do you think? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a bit more um, positive this time. I'm gonna go for three two. I think it's gonna be an end-to-end game, uh, fairly loose in terms of possession, uh, high end chance creation, and yeah, I think Wolves will be able to end his Barnsley Barron run. Fantastic. And last but not least, Lucas. Oh, I think with fans back in the stadium, as we all know, I think our fortunes against Barnsley will turn for the better. I'm saying the score against Barnsley will be a very solid 1-0 Rangers. Because looking at it, our last four home wins against Barnsley have been 1-0, 2-1, 2-0 and 4-0. So I think a nice scrappy 1-0 will make me really happy. I'm not going to go for that. Fantastic. And if you're actually interested, I agree with Lucas. I think it's going to be nil-nil in Middlesbrough and I think Dan's perfectly correct. 3-2 against Barnsley. So with that, that is the end of the podcast for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Dan, Lucas and especially Hugo. Well, thank you for attending your first podcast. This has been Our Generation On Air. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, where you can find many great interviews with the likes of Dykes and most recently Johan Barbe. So please check that out. And thanks for listening.